0: Welcome to Cretech Climate Cast, a podcast series devoted to educating, inspiring, and leading the built world to address the world's biggest crisis, climate change. I'm your host, Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech Climate, the leading voice for the real estate industry's commitment to climate tech. Join me each week for 20 minutes as we connect. With the world's leading real estate and tech innovators from VCs, real estate companies, academic and nonprofit sectors. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cree Tech and Cree Climate. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Cree Climate Cast, where each week, I talk to leaders who are helping to decarbonize the built world and as a result, address climate change, but really also help create healthier, safer, cleaner, working, living environments for the world to experience. And as part of our cretech Climate Initiative, we've been really fortunate to get some extraordinary industry partners to support us. Their role, really to help educate me and uh, our entire audience and community. And the Carbon Leadership Forum was, I think, like one of the first ones on the list where I I reached out and I had been introduced and become aware of the great work that they do. And I reached out to uh, our next guest and they have not let me down in any way. They've been incredibly supportive of what we're trying to do at Tech Climate and educating our, our industry and giving us also actionable tools for the industry to adopt. So With that, it's my great pleasure to introduce Anthony Hickling, who is the Managing Director of the Carbon Leadership Forum. Anthony, good to see you, and thanks for spending some time with me today. Yeah, nice to see you too, Michael. So why don't you give our audience just a quick overview of who you are, leading right up to the Carbon Leadership Forum.
1: When people ask what I do, I'm usually pretty upfront in that at the Carbon Leadership Forum, we have a really highly accomplished team of structural engineers and architects and all these past practitioners. I'm the business person on the team. Um, so I'm really here to figure out how we can scale our impact and how we can kind of manage this organization as a nonprofit, as a business to be successful in decarbonizing the built environment.
0: You know, when we connected, I think we both sort of focused on this couple of data points about the built world's responsibility in terms of carbon emissions, but also embodied carbon. So tell us about, you know, what is your role? What is the purpose? What's the objective of the Carbon Leadership Forum? How are you helping the built world to address these, these challenges and these
1: opportunities? I'll give a brief background of kind of what's the genesis of the Carbon Leadership Forum. So we're based out of the University of Washington. Um, a lot of people see us kind of as a Academic institution slash nonprofit hybrid in a sense. And we are working to radically reduce the carbon in buildings and infrastructure to enable a just and thriving future. That's what we say. So we were founded about 10 years ago. And at the time there were very few, I'd say maybe a dozen or so sustainability practitioners who came together and really just wanted to better understand the impacts of the building process right? So for years, architects, engineers, policymakers, everybody has been working on making building operations more sustainable. And so this is including, you know, energy efficiency measures like better insulation and solar panels and, you know, better HVAC systems, et cetera. And when we talk about green building today, that's often what we talk about. But more and more, we're learning that the embodied carbon of our building process, and that's the The greenhouse gas emissions that are associated from manufacturing, transportation, installation, maintenance, and also disposal of building materials are an incredibly significant source of the building industry's footprint. And so 10 years ago, we really wanted to learn a little bit more about what that impact actually is. Um, And so over the last decade, we've built a really strong foundation to better understand why embodied carbon is important, and then what strategies can we be employing to reduce it. And then in more recent years, we've realized that this work can't just be isolated among the kind of building industry carbon nerds. Instead, we really needed to make sure that this is something that everybody knows about, that everybody is prioritizing. And so we started turning this really robust research foundation into building a network. And so today that exists in three primary pillars. One of them is just enabling our network in whatever way is possible. Another piece is continuing to expand and refine the data and methodology behind embodied carbon. And then the last piece is informing policies that help push this agenda forward. We're not a lobbying organization, I should say, but we definitely are looked at, I'd say, as a go-to resource for policymakers from the kind of local, state, and federal levels, as well as corporate policymakers. And I think that's where it's relevant for you all who want to start making some kinds of embodied carbon reductions in, in their practices.
0: And so who is the audience that the Carbon Leadership Forum is trying to reach? And then what practical tools are you equipping them with?
1: The audience is pretty broad. So our network right now is built up of a lot of AEC professionals, so architects, engineers, construction workers. But there's a growing contingent of building owners and building developers and uh, real estate stakeholders, policymakers as well. And like I said, policymakers, this is not just, you know, President Biden, but this is people who might be working for a big technology firm or a real estate asset firm who recognizes that embodied carbon should be a part of their carbon accounting practices, or it should be incorporated into their climate action plan or whatever that might be. Embodied carbon is a really far-reaching topic. And so we are really trying to make sure that we can make this topic accessible and actionable at a lot of different levels. So like I said, there's people who've been working on this for a decade and they're the embodied carbon nerds who want really refined life cycle analysis data to improve their building models at the design phase of these really complex projects. And then there are other people who are like, just learning that that building materials even have an impact and that we should be paying attention to them. And so we're, we're really trying to, to meet everybody kind of where they're at and push this forward.
0: That's great. Talk a little bit about Anthony, your supporters. I mean, obviously, you know, you're a nonprofit and you need support from donors and corporate sponsors. Where where does the support come from and how does that impact, you know, your ability to get the good work done that you're doing?
1: That's a good question. So I would probably break our funding sources into three main categories. The first one would just be kind of the traditional institutional grants that you get at a nonprofit. And so, you know, we have a project in mind, or maybe we're just proposing something like capacity building. We go to an organization that is a grant maker that focuses on either the built environment or focuses on, you know, sustainability more broadly, or maybe environmental projects. We say, this is something that we want to get funded. Are you interested? Another piece is just individuals who are really excited about this work. Those are the kinds of people who recognize that buildings can make a huge impact in the whole climate challenge puzzle. They're philanthropically minded and they say, you know, this is, I recognize that this is a really effective place for me to be making this kind of personal investment. And so the carbon leadership forum is a place for me to do it. The last piece is sponsors. And those are typically other businesses, usually somehow in the real estate industry, architecture firms, engineering firms, et cetera, who don't just want to give us money, but often also want to kind of share the space as collaborators, as thought leaders to be here as we are continuing to develop the resources, share the research, help inform kind of the strategy that we have moving forward because all of our work can't just exist in a silo. And so for sponsors, it's really a two-way street of like they provide us funding, but we're providing them this kind of access to to early kind of understanding of what we're doing, but then in return for that, they're helping us inform it and make sure that it's actually relevant and applicable for the yeah. industry. Because, you know, even though we have a team filled of past practitioners, we need to know on the ground, what is the most urgent kind of information, resources, et cetera, that you need to be able to make an impact here?
0: Yeah. So it's a real collaborative uh, organization between your sponsors, your supporters, and the, the hard work and the research that you're doing. So listen, yeah. again, you know, Anthony, as you know... Our mission at Cretech is all about decarbonizing the entire built world, right? We're not a think tank, we're not a policy organization, nor do we have a technology. It's all about awareness. Education and hopefully driving actionable investment. And I know that you're not, you know, you're not an engineer and you're not, you know, in, in the wonky part of the business and you've got a great team doing that. But could you talk a little bit about some of the work that's been done? Like if I'm a real estate owner operator, if I'm on the AEC side, you know, and I come to the carbon leadership forum, what am I gonna get? specifically from the organization that's going to make an impact yeah. on, on the way that I approach my business, hopefully to you know, reduce my carbon emissions?
1: I think that for the kinds of people that are interested in Cretec climate right now, it's actually pretty direct and easy to figure out what the value is because we recently, and Michael, I'm not sure if I've emailed this to you, I need to send it <laughs> to you, but we just this week um, announced the kind of building owner toolkit you're yeah. like what are all the strategies what are all the ways that you can be reducing embodied exactly. carbon in your portfolio i did see um that. good that's good to hear okay so that resource is pretty dense and it also really thoroughly goes through in a few different kind of like two to three page handouts what's the importance of this what are the kinds of what are the terms that people are using that you just need to be aware of what are the the high level strategies that you can employ and then in addition to all of that we reference other existing resources that we've helped develop over the years that help make this work actionable. And so, in that building on our toolkit, for example, we reference EC three, which I know that you're super aware of. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I, I think that you've already interviewed Stacy, so I don't want to. Go too deep into what building transparency. You you listen,
0: Stacy is a is a rock star in my world. Even more <laughs> so the more Stacy Smedley we talk about, the better, because <laughs> you know she, she's she's definitely a major major influence in the space. So go ahead, sorry, interrupted.
1: Totally. Yeah. No, I mean, we, on a daily basis, are partnering with Building Transparency. Building Transparency kind of was built after EC3 was established. Building Transparency was created as an organization to really kind of develop that tool further. And now to start considering other tools that are useful for the industry. For those who don't know what EC3 is, uh, the kind of really basic high-level description of this is that it's a tool that users typically kind of in the procurement phase of a project can be using to compare the sustainability attributes of different materials that you know you need to be specking for that project. So for example, if there's, you know, X-grade of steel that you need for the, you know, structural pieces of a apartment building that you're putting up right now, you can go to EC3, say that that's the kind of steel you need and look at all of the options that exist and compare them based on their environmental footprint, based on their embodied carbon. And so We reference EC3 in that building owner toolkit. We also reference another, even I'd say higher level resource called the Carbon Smart Materials Palette, Mm -hmm. which is another co-developed resource that helps people just understand what are the best practices for the types of materials that are really commonly used in the building industry. If I'm going to be using wood or if I'm going to be using concrete, whatever it might be, I think gypsum is in there as well. and Mm -hmm. Some other really common materials. What are the best ways to be doing that? Mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, we have like baseline reports that are referenced in there that share embodied carbon footprint averages and spectrums of various materials. So that way you kind of have a better understanding of what does normal look like? And how are we comparing to normal? And if we're way below it, that's great. That's something to celebrate. Maybe we can continue looking for reductions. And if we're above it, what's the industry doing to 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 get below that? You know, it's
0: so important that work that you're doing, you and your colleagues, Anthony, with the toolkit and the pallet and EC3, because, you know, I mean, I, I've been in the commercial real estate industry 30-something years. And while I'm not a developer, I've been around the space long enough to kind of get a sense for, you know, what the major trend lines are that are happening in the built world. And yeah, I mean, there's some fantastic leaders out there in Hudson Bay, and Jamestown and Oxford and RxR. And of course, the EY and and Savills, our sponsors, and and many, many others. But my feeling has always been that the industry needs more, for lack of a better word, off the shelf information that's actionable, that's almost in a way, and I, I don't mean this in a condescending or disrespectful way, it's like climate tech for dummies. And I'm dummy number one, trust me. I mean, let me put it out there. I am dummy number one. And so when I see your material, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. I understand it. So how available is all of this great content that the Carbon Leadership Forum put out? Like how does one go about getting it, access to it?
1: I'd say, you know, when I talked about our three pillars, maybe an unspoken one that serves as a filter of everything is that we want all of the work that we're doing to be entirely free and accessible. And so EC3, for example, is an open and accessible database where you can be pulling these environmental product declarations for materials. All of the work that we're doing oftentimes is compiling it to make it useful for somebody else who might plug it into something that they already have, right? So firms right now, especially in the AEC industry, are already sometimes developing their own tools and have their own kinds of resources. We want to make sure that for whatever kind of level you're at, you can just kind of plug in what we have into what you're working on. Um, And I said, you know, for sponsors, for example, I, I was talking about kind of access and things like that. Everything that we talk about with sponsors, I'm really clear with them that like gonna, this isn't private information. Yeah, this is going to be published. This is going to be made widely available. But maybe you're hearing about it a month early, and you're helping yeah. you kind of provide suggestions and feedback, which is really helpful and important. But I just want to kind of reemphasize the fact that exclusivity is not going to accelerate action. We need to make sure that yeah everything that we're working on is actionable and accessible for for the greater,
0: greater good. Interested. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's so it's wonderful. That's why I want to make sure that, you know, our audience at, at Cretech Climate and CreTech, of course, understands that, you know, the Carbon Leadership Forum is doing extraordinary work for the greater good of the entire built world and that they really should be getting in touch with you all to access this great information. So I think finally, Anthony, my question would be, and I kind of ask everybody on the podcast a similar question. You know, the carbon leadership forum has been doing this for a while, you know, when it wasn't quote unquote cool or popular to be talking about climate change and climate tech. And now we've got a change of administration and the sense of of heightened awareness is extraordinary. We've got the financial services, you know, really, really raising the bar as well in terms of reporting and and measurement. And we've got some great real estate companies that are really investing. But you know, I mean, I'm still, I guess you could say for lack of a better description, pessimistically optimistic. <laughs> There's such a thing. I just never know what comes out of my mouth because I know how big the problem is. I know how big the real estate industry is, the biggest industry on earth measured by global GDP. And I know how slow it can be to adopt change. So with you and your colleagues, when you sit around and you're having you know, those conversations about where we are and where we're going, What's the sentiment internally? I mean, are you all optimistic that we can get this and hit those targets that we need to hit to make the impact and to get to net zero?
1: Yeah, I I think it's a good question. And I'd say, speaking for the organization and speaking personally, like we all kind of oscillate a little bit, right? Like there are times when it feels like just not enough is happening. Right. And we're like, this is an enormous problem. I'd say overall though, we're, we're pretty cautiously optimistic as an organization. And I would say the reason for that is because there is very impressive momentum right now. I think that, you know, just speaking on behalf of kind of the carbon leadership forum, the, the growth and participation and interest that we've seen over the past few years has been incredible and it's not slowing down, right? Like, There's action, like I said, kind of on the policy side, like just this year, Mm -hmm. um, I think eight states, and this Mm -hmm. is before this only one, have proposed uh, a buy clean type legislation where they want their public projects to be prioritizing embodied carbon in the procurement process. Eight states. And, you know, last year there were none. And before that there existed only one and it was in California and it's being improved on now. The Carbon Leadership Forum's growth has been explosive in the past few years. I think that when we first launched our kind of community platform, really just a few years ago, there's a small group of people, right? Like dozens, and we are at thousands now. And many of them are actively engaging in ways that we don't even know about, right? So for example, we have Carbon Leadership Forum hubs that are popping up across North America and across the globe, I'd say really right. priorita- not prioritized, but primarily in North America right now. Some of those hubs are working on projects and, and forming policies or helping get climate action plans off the ground for businesses and organizations that we're still even learning about. Like This, this kind of collective action model is so distributed and I'd say so contagious right now that I feel really optimistic that it's going to continue happening because that's what it's doing right now. And I, the other thing that I think is really, you know, there are two sides of the coin of, of the fact that the building industry has this huge impact, right? On one side, it's like, wow, that's enormous. What are we going to do about it? But on the other side, you can, you can really narrow it down into a few key things. That if we solve those key things with the kind of like, I'd say really more with the social change than with the technological change that's needed, we could make a huge impact, right? Like there are very few real estate firms, very few architecture firms, engineering firms that control a huge percentage of the global portfolio, right? So if those kinds of organizations start to get on board and start to prioritize reductions and really highly high emitting materials like concrete and steel and all of the other ones that are a part of kind of, you know, mechanical electric and plumbing and all of that, you know, there are relatively few people and relatively few materials that we can be pulling levers to make an impact fast. So I'd say that that's what makes me feel optimistic is that there's this kind of accelerated action and we can really nail it down to some key strategies that make a big difference.
0: Well, I think you've just convinced me to change my narrative from pessimistically <laughs> optimistic to cautiously optimistic. Cause that was well said. And you're right. And I couldn't agree more with it. it. It, we just need a few big companies to focus on a few big areas of the industry. And that could hopefully get us to a tipping point where it, then it becomes this sort of collective action throughout the whole entire industry and globe. Anthony Hickling, managing director, carbon leadership forum. This was terrific. Thank you for all the great work that uh, you and your colleagues are doing at the carbon leadership forum. You know, you're helping make a profound impact on the entire world. And I know that future generations will be the beneficiary of that. But I also, I'm confident that the work you're doing now is going to have a short-term impact in a meaningful way as well. So thank you, my friend. Great spending time with you and I appreciate all you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, thank you, Michael. I should say, you know, we're really grateful that Createch and Createch Climate exist. I think that real, the real estate industry has a huge role to play, and we're, you know, excited and happy to be as much of a resource and thought partner as that works happening.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Very, very kind of you. If you want to hear more about top industry trends, please hit subscribe and join us on this journey to reimagine real estate. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. To stay up to date on leading climate tech trends and topics, join the CreTech Climate Community by clicking the link in our bio. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to having you join us next week.